What's up? This is Shane from Valencia and P.O.R., and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Hey, everyone. This is May, and you are listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things. My name is Greg Hall. Alongside of me is one of the platformers, Chris Shriver, and we are joined by a very special guest, J.T. Woodruff of Hawthorne Heights, here live at the Foundry in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. J.T., thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No problem. It's my pleasure. So we're here backstage at the Foundry. Hawthorne Heights is getting ready to go on in, wow, less than an hour. So again, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Um, we... You know, we are going to talk about the tour that you're on, obviously the opportunity that we have here to, to be with you, but more, uh, moreover, Bad Frequencies, your first full length in five years. It's available April 27th, so in just a couple of days when this episode is launched, and hey, maybe even by the time you're listening to it now, uh, we're going to have Hawthorne Heights social media linked in our description, the pre-order link to get the record in our description, and the iTunes link to get it in our description. However, let's just jump right in. JT, the band has been through a lot since its inception, but now you're with Pure noise um in the short time you've been with them what's that experience been like to be with uh, pure noise it's been great you know we had a lot of great conversations with the owner jake and then uh, all the staff and everything and uh you know everything was really uh, kind of upfront, honest uh we like a lot of the bands that they put out got some friends on the label that have always sung the praises and uh you know we just thought it was the right fit for what we were doing, and uh, we were happy with the response that we got when we sent the record over, and uh, we're excited, you know? Everything's on the up and up. We got no problems. Awesome. Great to hear. Um, you're pretty early in this tour um, at this point. Yep. Uh, it's a, day it's six. A, day six. Day six. Um, how's it been going so far? Great. A lot of fun. Um, it's always weird when you do a tour and your album's not out yet, so mm-hmm. they, they tend to... Uh, get a little bit better and a little bit stronger once uh, everything starts, you know, really flowing. But um, no problems. All the crowds have been great. Our fans have been coming, showing up. Now, you're selling the the record. You're selling the record now. Yep. Even though it doesn't come out until Friday. Yep. Um, It's a little snaky, but we're allowed. It'll be, like you said, really nice once kind of the record comes out it has a a couple days weeks to kind of gestate and then everybody can start singing along exactly Um, exactly but you know one of the things that we did on this tour is we decided we were like we know that people are going to sing to the old songs we know that they're not going to sing to the new songs early on in the tour yet but we're going to play them anyway nice and give people a chance to hear them and start to understand them and then they can get the record that night and then they can learn them so like it can always seem like it's kind of taken away momentum from the set, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but we were like, "Fuck that!" Instead of momentum, <laughs> sure. instead of the the easy ones, let's let's hit people with a couple of the harder ones that they don't know. Well, we, I've got to say, like the I got a chance to listen to it on the way up, yeah, um, to the venue, and it's phenomenal. Um, Thank I mean, you. The, I appreciate that. Like the that. first track on the album is just uh, it, it it was like you know a. a I don't want to say rebirth of Hawthorne Heights, but it's like uh, yeah. you can you can see an evolution from uh, Silence in Black and White to now, which is really cool. Appreciate that. And yeah, it's kind of that was actually the last question I had, but we'll ask it now, just because we did get the uh, the record earlier today that we were allowed to kind of listen to on the way up, just to be cool. prepared. The songs that stuck out for me outside of the three singles you guys have released were uh, Skylark, Edge of Town, Crimson Sand, and The Suicide Mile. Uh, they spoke really loudly to me personally. Do you have any stories or uh, inspirations that you can share about those songs in particular? Yeah, I, I would say the entire album in general is just about um, kind of calling back to the favorite part of your youth growing up. And like when you were just 
I don't know, when you when you were younger, times were simpler. You could just be a kid in a baseball field or something like that, just playing with your friends, hanging out, just, you know, talking about life, jumping in the car, listening to music, like rolling the windows down. Just all great times seem to come at summer, and uh, this album is about when your favorite summer comes to an end mm-hmm. and how you have to kind of uh, figure out how to kind of move on from that. Um, yeah, all these songs kind of intertwine, and they're all about uh, growing up but not growing old. Well, Bad Frequencies is the first full-length, we'll, we'll kind of say full-length that you've put yeah. out since 2013. What's it actually feel like for you to release something new in a full-length for uh, for five years? Yeah, it's cool. You know, um, we've been doing a lot of stuff DIY before that as right. well because we'd kind of grown a little bit tired of the label game, mm-hmm. uh, tired of people kind of telling us what we can and can't do and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we got a little bit tired of that. Um, and this is our first uh, album kind of diving back into that that atmosphere and um it just felt right for us to release a new full length and to give it all the time and effort and energy and exposure we could by bringing in a partner like pure noise and uh like we said so far so good you know like this coming up this friday will be the actual launch of it Mm -hmm. and it feels like we've been writing and working on this record for like two solid years and now we're finally ready to let people hear it and uh, it's an exciting time. So I read in an interview previously that you had said that you wrote Bad Frequencies over the course of a year, at, at least, and you just even mentioned two, played 170 shows last year, demoed, recorded the album all in one year. Would you say that 2017 was more of the, you know, one of the most accomplished years of the band or one of your proudest, or is it just another year for you guys? No, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely one of our proudest because... You know, you've been a band for a long time, and you've been able to uh, continually gain momentum. Uh, we always say that you never want to be stuck in slow motion. You never want to be standing still. You never want to be looking backwards. You always want to be moving forward. And we did a lot of moving forward last year. Mm-hmm. You know, we played a ton of shows, went to countries we'd never been to before, and we took all those experiences and wrote what we consider to be a great Hawthorne Heights album, and that's why we're so excited about it. Five years ago is a long time, especially in the social media era. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Things can go away tomorrow, right? So if, Absolutely. if you had to describe Bad Frequencies to someone who had never listened to Hawthorne Heights or even since zero, how would you describe Bad Frequencies to that person? I think, I think Bad Frequencies sounds like a combination of a couple of our records, but... It sounds like a Hawthorne Heights album. There's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of melody. There's a lot of melancholy lyrics. There's definitely screaming on it. Um, it's all rooted in like, uh, like pop punk, hardcore um, stuff like that. The independent music scene. It's all rooted in that. There's you know, we try to keep it upbeat, happy at times, sad at times. Um, but most importantly, it's a real record. You know, everything that is going on in it is from some sort of personal experience, whether it be one of us or one of our friends. If you go through the, the band's discography, like in order of release, um, there's definitely like a certain progression, sure. um, you know, for the band. Um, I think it's pretty evident. 
um, you know, starting from Silence and Black and White all the way to Bad Frequencies. But are there any like specific moments or album releases that like you can look back on now um, and say like, wow, that was like a really pivotal moment either for you uh, yourself or for the band? As yeah, well? definitely. I mean, you know, like our first record, I still remember going to the record store in Nashville, Tennessee in 2004 on June 8th. And that was the first time that our record as a professional band was in stores. And so, you know, we immediately, it, we were on tour when it came out with Silverstein. We uh, drove to the record store. We all bought a copy. And <laughs> it's, uh, gonna be, it's gonna be kind of freaky. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. And you know what? We will do the exact same thing on uh, on April twenty seventh. We will drive uh, to whatever record store we can in <laughs> Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. And we will buy a copy of the record. That's amazing. You know, like it's it's like a ceremonial thing. It's like uh, all that hard work is is finally out. Well, it's and, a tangible. Uh, form. Yeah, yeah, and you can do it. And you know what? If I won't buy it myself, why can I expect anybody else to buy it? You That's know? funny. So. It's funny that you mentioned that. We had uh, Will Pugh from Cartel on the show recently, yep. and uh, they had a song, Cartel had a song in Madden 07, and, oh, he I said that, yep. and he said that he didn't even get a copy of the game. He had to go buy it yep. just to go get that, to, to kind of hear it. That shows you how we're treated as musicians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we are really looking forward to the show tonight, but I just wanted to give a quick shout out and, and a thank you to the Foundry um, and the great film. Venue. Great venue. Great yep. venue. It's a newer venue. Um, my first show here was the early November in the movie life a couple years ago. Chris, I believe this is your first time here. My first time at the Foundry, I've been to the Fillmore. Been to the Fillmore. Oh, yeah. uh, this is your first time playing in this particular venue, yep. but you tweeted out earlier today that Philly is one of your uh, you know, favorite music cities. What kind of Definitely. memories a, do you have from Philly? It's just a great city. You know, A lot of storied venues. Um, we played at TLA a bunch. Mm-hmm. We've played at Electric Senior Factory TLA. a bunch. Yep. And uh, those are two of our favorite venues. And, you know, tonight the Fillmore um, in the Foundry, it's just a cool, like, we wanted all these venues to be, like... Intimate? Intimate and in your face yeah. because, you know, our record is just now coming out. So we, we can't expect everybody to know about it from minute one. So we wanted to make sure that everything was really up close and personal we don't have any crew or anything with us you know like our drummer and i are doing merch uh our guitar player and bass player matt and mark are doing like a lot of the setup and they planned a lot of the sequencing and the set list and everything so like this is we're doing as much as we can possibly do as a band while releasing a record Mm -hmm. so to be able to play uh you never know what you're gonna get when you're choosing venues that are like you know three four hundred cap clubs they're not at all as nice as the uh, foundry oh, in the I'm film, sure. or you know yeah. what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. so to be able to choose like a super nice, brand new, state of the art, clean venue, and to have like a great show up there, I think it's it's going to be a lot of fun tonight. But um, yeah, you just you you kind of never know. And in Philly is one of those places that has just a ton of great venues, a ton of great history. Um, you know. Walked around a bunch today, as we always do, and yeah. it's just a great city. <laughs> Speaking of walking around a bunch, it was a hike to get back here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's Spinal Tap, man. You're that's, that's exactly yeah, what he said. You, you go from the top all the way down to the bottom. You're, like, meandering around and everything, and yeah. it's like, oh, cool. But, you know, it's a nice backstage. You yeah. just got to earn it to get to it. Sure. Yeah. For sure. yeah. Um, now, the last uh, – I had seen you guys two times re- – I guess you can say recently. I guess 2011 is recently. Um, so the the first time was in 2011, the acoustic show at North Star. Yep. North Star's closed. It is. Yeah, after it is. 34 glorious years. That's a That was a cool venue. I love it. It was. The it was stage a cool was venue. a little raised, so you're it, looking exactly. up. Exactly. I, I love that feeling. It's a feeling. cool venue. It is. 
Bummer that they couldn't keep it in. Yeah. They are a bar restaurant now. I couldn't tell you the name, yeah. but they're a bar restaurant now. Uh, and the last time was in 2016 at Pinelands. Uh, cool. You guys were with Hidden in Plain View and yep. Cruiser. That was a cold night. It was, it was October. Yep. I went to the original Pinelands in 15, and it was in August. It was 108. That was better. It was <laughs> better. I'll take 108 over. It was Really? Like, wow. Oh, hell yeah. It was like 45 degrees. You're trying to play outside. Uh, in the middle of, I don't know, it was like midnight when we played or something yeah, like that. Yeah. It was just, it was brutal. Yeah, you headlined it with it in Plainview, so you guys went on last. And, yeah. And I remember, man. I remember, see, I'm a cold guy. I love the cold. Grew up in Philly. I figured you'd be a cold guy coming from Ohio. No, I'm pissed at the cold. <laughs> I hate the cold. Oh. I absolutely hate the cold. So, uh, you had a huge part both what the warp tour did for you as a band and what you gave back to the warp tour we know that the warp tour is ending as we know it yep. this year let's look back on that a little bit i mean it's just it's one of those things that's incredible mm-hmm. um it's been such a blessing for the music scene that you don't know what's going to happen when it uh when it finally changes so and you know next year i think it's going to be a rude awakening for a lot of people because fans and musicians alike because mm-hmm. you just don't know what what it's going to be like. You don't know what the summer without the Warped Tour is, without that wonderful festival that travels everywhere. Uh, we've been, I've been going since 1997. Nice. That was my first year. Uh, and then we played our first year in 2005, and we played it multiple times since then. And mm-hmm. First time they, I saw you was Warped Tour 2005 in Canada. They've always been great. They've always been incredible. It's such a, it's the bummer that it, that it's ending is that how much fun all the bands have and all the fans have. And, you know, that's just a relationship that we're all going to lose and we're all going to miss. But maybe it'll come back or maybe it'll be here in some sort of incarnation. Um, that seems to be the sentiment across yeah. a lot of the bands we interview. We just uh, don't know. Right. You know, you yeah. don't know. I, it's hard for anything that was such a fixture to go away completely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that they got something up their sleeves that they're not telling anybody. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe it's just changing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not going to be the entire thing or something. I wish I had inside information, but I don't. <laughs> I'm just hoping this is all wishful thinking. Sure. Um, if it moves to one day, I'll take what I can get. I'll take the one day. You know, yeah. I just want it to be around in some form. They did the cruise. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, with Rolled. actually Cartel was on that cruise. Yeah. Starting Line was on that cruise. It was a hell of a time. I got married uh, in September. The, the cruise was in November, I think. And I begged, 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 begged my wife, can we please make that our honeymoon? Can we please make that our honeymoon? <laughs> and she said the only reason no, and it was a stern no, the only reason no was because she'd never been on a cruise ship before. It was so, nice. So we did a, the Bahamas. Uh, what? I guess if we can for just a few moments, we still have a little bit of time with you here. Um what what was that like playing on a cruise ship? It was great. It was uh, first of all, it was, it was all like first class for all the bands. Everybody mm-hmm. got like wonderful cabins. Um, I had no, none of us had any motion sickness problems or anything like that. Um, when we played one time, it was a little rocky. When we played, and uh, you know, you'll jump a little bit, and you'll end up where you didn't jump oh my gosh um now did, did they nail down the drum kit or anything so it didn't no, move wow no but it's it there those ships are so massive yeah. that you don't really notice much yeah um but it was super cool one of the best experiences of our career uh we had a hell of a time doing it you know uh we all brought our our wives with us um they had an awesome spa 
on there. So like we would spend like two <laughs> hours cool. a day there just hanging out, looking out the window. You're in like a, you know, in like a hot tub and you're looking out the window and the damn oceans right there. And it's just uh, not a whole lot of people get to have that experience. And we're happy that we did. How many sets did you play on it? Two. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. It's really neat. Chris, when was the first time you saw Hawthorne? Uh, 2006. It was All the right. uh, Black Clouds and Underdogs tour with Fallout Boy. That's cool. Uh, my first concert experience. So Very I, nice. I walked into the venue and you guys were flipping the guitars around. And, yeah. Yeah. That was and a good tour. I was going to say, do you remember anything about that tour? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the only arena tour we've ever done. Oh, really? really? That's yeah. surprising to know. And... Uh, just an entirely different experience. You know, we grew up playing wherever you could play, whether it was in somebody's basement, in a rental hall, in a bar, in a club. And then that was our arena moment. And uh, it was cool. You know, like all those bands were great. And uh, you know, that's a memory that you'll have for the rest of your life. And it was like weird to think two years before that we were just trying to get shows. Mm -hmm. And like we were parking a bus every day at an arena. Yeah. You know, like it's wild. It's wild to think that. And now you're doing more of an intimate kind of smaller tour, at least from a venue perspective. Can yeah. you give us the, from your, from being on stage, that kind of idea, uh, the difference between... The connection is yeah. just way better at something like this. Yeah. You know, like when you take all the, the bullshit out of it, like the finances and stuff mm -hmm. like yeah. that, like everybody wants to be a billionaire, but like that's not realistic for everybody, specifically the music industry. Sure. But like once you take when you take that all out of it and you're talking about just the connection to human beings and just the fun that you're having, this is always going to beat that because you can look out and you can see how it's affecting people. You can hear them singing back to you in an arena. You look out and you just see cell phone lights and like you are so far away from everybody that like you can barely hear your instruments. I remember the hardest thing about it was we like to move around a little bit on stage. So like if I'm singing and I move too far to the left or too far to the right, I can't hear my guitar. And I don't mean it's too quiet. It's gone. Yeah. So like, because the whole arena swallows it up. Right. You know what I mean? So that was the hardest thing. Well, and that was one just, of the coolest things I thought, you know, coming in here, just seeing how tight and intimate the uh, the venue yeah. was. It's like, going to be it, tough for you to move around up there on that stage. That yeah, that's a, it's, kind of, it's a it, tiny stage. It's yeah. kind of a small stage, but you know what? That's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, we'll make it work with whatever we need to. But just given the style of music and, you know, and, and the audience that you guys have, I mean, yeah. it's like perfect venue for that. We'll do our best. Yeah. Real, real quick shout out to those dudes over there, though. Heavy things, you guys absolutely yeah. killed it. They are the heaviest Tonight, of things. You, you deserve... Everything that's going to come your way, guys. You guys came on. You finished the first song, and Greg just looked at me. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. They are. We, we've known them for not a whole long, you know, mm -hmm. about a year or something like that. But they did. This is a funny story. They, they uh, did about a week of shows with us, and we liked them so much that we were planning this at the time. We didn't even know what we were doing yet, but we knew that we were going to do a fall tour. We asked him at a barbecue restaurant in Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> uh, would you be our opening band on this tour? And we'll figure out who else is playing, but we know we want you as the opening band. It's amazing. And so it was a deal signed in barbecue sauce, and the rest <laughs> is history. Um, at least they asked you on the date. Yeah, yeah we yeah, did. And we told, and we warned them. We were like, this is going to be a long tour because our album is going to come out on it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be out on the road for a long time. And, uh, they were up for it, you know. Their their album just came out last Friday, mm -hmm. and uh, so they're like barely a week into their album cycle, 
and then they launched a video today. Yeah, so, so yeah. you guys yeah. mentioned that up on stage. Congratulations, guys. Yeah, um, so now, they're, they're kind of, we're mirroring each other. Our album comes out a week after theirs, and we're kind of both out on the road sweating together, trying to get yeah. people to listen to it. And now, now, Chris had mentioned earlier uh, that you have a long tour ahead. Yes. It's over, you look back on it, you finally have a chance to relax. What's in the, you know, what, what's the first thing you're doing when this tour's over? For, well, we end the tour in Alaska and Hawaii. Wow. Okay. So we might stay there then. Huh? We'll be relaxing. <laughs> uh, and then we'll go back to Ohio. Yeah. And we'll do everything that we can to continue to promote while not being on the road. Mm-hmm, so sure. we'll, we'll figure that out. But uh, we'll be it'll be in the middle of summer, so we'll just relax. I'll probably do dumb things like go fishing and start to follow uh, what the Bengals are doing and stuff like that. And The draft we'll, is in two days. The draft is in two days. All the bad decisions will be made on <laughs> Thursday night. We're Bengals fans, not Browns fans, but you know we're on the edge of our seat to see how they fuck that up. <laughs> Blue how Jackets? They, uh, those guys are Blue Jackets fans. Good for you guys. Hockey, to me, is unwatchable. Ooh. Uh, hockey, I got a Flyers tattoo right here. Hockey, <laughs> b- hockey and baseball are just two things that, like... Mm, my two favorite sports. <laughs> I wish I liked them because sure. it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You sure. can literally watch a game every night. It's like yep. a full-time fucking job. <laughs> Like, I don't know how people follow baseball because 162 games yeah, is, is like, I don't know how you <laughs> play a, it. I don't know how you follow it. Seriously. I, know. I had season tickets for 11 years for the film. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, I and, got and to be it. there for the World Series, though. And, you it was know, pretty yeah. special. I love football and basketball so much mm-hmm. that I wish I loved baseball as much because it would it would complete my whole year. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess it is my time to, like, not really worry about stuff like that. But, um, yeah, those guys are... Blue Jackets fans, I think they even watch soccer and weird shit like that. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty strict on, on football and basketball. You know, I'm a Cavs fan uh, and a Bengals fan. So we hope so. to see you in the Eastern Conference Finals, the Sixers. Yeah, Hopefully. Yeah, you know, I like the fun. Sixers. The Sixers, uh, it took them a while. Yep. It took them a while to – and it, you really had to believe in that process. Yes, you know what you I mean? Did. Because they were so brutal for a couple years. But yep. they got it together. And uh, they're doing great. I predicted them before the playoffs started to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Good, uh, and probably go to the go to the championship. Wow! Over wow. his over his very own Cavaliers. Yeah, they're wow. just they're 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 built to lose. They really are. You know, like Sixers match up well against them. Yeah. yeah. So, and I say that like LeBron James. I'm ending the argument. Mm-hmm. Is the best player to ever play. Okay. I'm it's, not gonna. I'm not gonna have. A I can't. I have nothing. It's yeah. over. Yeah, he's better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> the argument is over. Everybody wants to talk about the championships. Yeah. Who cares if we're talking about championships? Bill Russell is the best basketball player to ever live, and no one is ever gonna win eleven. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about somebody who has played on awful teams and still gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. We're, pl- we're talking about a player who has never had an actual head coach. Those are bold words, but I kind of yeah. agree with Michael you. J- yeah. I-, I agree with you. Tell, no, you're tell right. me this. You're right. Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan had arguably the best coach of all time or one of them. And so did Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And they both yeah. had championships. <laughs> and what was the common point? Phil Jackson. Yeah. 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 LeBron right. James has people who are just... Standing back and watching it happen. Tyron Lue. 
Yeah. Well, I'm happy. I've I'm, got nothing against Tyron Lue, but he's not the genius basketball mind mm-hmm. that Phil Jackson is yeah. and was. And that I think that anybody could could say that. But when you compare rosters and stuff, like LeBron has doing so much with so little. Sure. Yeah. So, he is what's bringing them. Yes. You know. Maybe one other player that like like besides Kyrie for the last couple of years. Yeah, Kyrie is a hell of a well, player. Well, he's made he's of no, glass, but he's he no is, yeah. he is, and he's, he's out. Ma- he is made of glass, and he's you out right now for yeah. Boston, and exactly. that's where I think the Sixers could get past them. We have literally less than a minute left. Uh, we are a nerdy podcast. Outside of music, we do talk about games, film, TV. Do you have any recommend, uh, recommendations for the listeners out there for any films, TV? I know you're on the road a lot. I don't know what you're doing with your downtime, but do you have any recommendations for the listeners? Uh, I like anything Stephen King related, so I'm really excited for Castle Rock mm-hmm. that is getting ready to the come out. The new Pet Cemetery reboot. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the It movie was phenomenal. Oh, it's a it was, book I've yeah. read multiple, multiple times. And Part two looking very it. good as well. Yeah. Excited for part two. So anything like that, I'm really into. Uh, my favorite show on TV is called Atlanta. Okay. Oh, sure. If you guys watch it, Donald Atlanta. Glover, right? Yeah, yeah, with Donald Glover. I think it's a brilliantly written uh, show. I just think, like, uh, I'm not even a hip-hop guy or anything like that, but that show is leaps and bounds comedically ahead of anything that's happening out there. It's just so funny. They do such a great job on it. And Silicon Valley. I like uh, both of those shows a whole bunch. I just watched it this morning. It's one of my absolute favorites. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. The Burger King scene in season one is Absolutely. by far one of the greatest scenes in television history. <laughs> and I'm going on the record by saying television history. Wow. It is classic. <laughs> it is absolutely classic. It's a shame he passed away. Yeah. The actor who plays Peter yeah. Gregory yeah. passed yeah. away. Definitely. Uh, JT, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on this very special bonus episode. Stick around because Chris and I are going to actually attend the show. And from our car after the show, we're doing a live. <laughs> Live show review, and then awesome. we're going. And then we're going home. We're editing the episode. It'll be up probably by the time you wake up on the 25th uh, of April. But JT, thank you so much. Best of luck. No problem. Uh, and thank continued you. success to Hawthorne Heights. Awesome. Thank oh, yeah. you. Thank you guys. We'll see you this weekend for episode 88. Well, holy shit, Greg! <laughs> Greg! <laughs> it's 10:37 uh, p.m. You're getting a train. Going past us, we are literally under an overpass in the parking lot of the Hawthorne Heights show. I am, I don't have much of a voice left. Neither do I. Um, I'm like, I, I can't stop smiling. It's like, <laughs> it's a weird, I don't know if it's nostalgia, if it's, um, I mean, it's a mix of a, a large amount of things. But, I mean, this entire night has just been, like, a whole hell of a ride. Well, within the last ten minutes, we had just heard Ohio is for Lovers live for the first time in a long time. Uh, Twelve years. So... Me. Uh, I mean, and I looked at you as soon as it started, and just the hair just It was literally like head. the first guitar notes hit, Ugh. and it just, like, my, the hairs on my, my arms just started to stand up, and we looked at each other, and just... <gasps> so here we are, uh, we're doing our post-show recap, um, you're not gonna get any more of live impressions than what we are doing right now. We were literally in a car. The car hasn't even started. It's 10.38 p.m. <laughs> on a Tuesday night. We have the entire setup on the center console of my Subaru. 
<laughs> and we're just here to have a good time and talk about the show that we just witnessed. And really quick, a huge thank you to the dudes in Hawthorne Heights, JT, Matt, Mark, Chris, everyone for hooking this up, for getting us backstage, for doing the interview, everyone at BPM for setting up that interview. Honestly, it was an honor for Chris and I to be able to do this for you. What a cool experience this whole night was. Chris is Chris is the homeboy. Like <laughs> Chris like throughout the entire night did such a great job of just like making sure we had what we needed um and while running merch while also being the drummer um <laughs> like just such a great great guy um and then the interview we did with JT was just awesome like i i had i was a little nervous it probably comes through a little bit in the interview which sure. is okay but i can't i couldn't help it i mean th- these are well, these are people i've been you know mark came and got us we we were yep. waiting out in the in the main room mark comes and gets us and he's like all right we're going back and i was like where are we going? And I think 45 minutes later when we got to the green room, yeah. um, through the twists and turns, we went through another show. We went through the film Yeah, we work. walked through whatever. <laughs> there was some Mexican uh, artist playing. Yeah. Um, we walked through that concert up top yeah. uh, backstage. And then I think three or four people made the same joke where we were going through <laughs> like the catacombs of the Fillmore. And they were like, oh, man, this is just like Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when we were leaving um, – it's it's even funnier because when we were leaving, I I don't know the gentleman's name, but um, he was in was it Sienna? Hold on, I can do this. It was in Sienna Skies, the band from Australia that came from Sydney to play. He goes, uh, he goes, yeah. Uh, one of us always has to make the the joke about Spinal Tap. I'm like you're the third person. <laughs> <laughs> so felt so bad bringing yeah. it to him. Oh, we do apologize though. If you hear trains and stuff like constantly going in the background, I'm going to do my best here in post to clean this up a little bit. But we are literally in the car doing live impressions of the show. <laughs> it can't get any more real than this. Um, the acoustics in a Subaru work out really well. Actually, sounds pretty, pretty it's good. Not too but, bad. Um, honestly, though, getting taken back to the room. JT's waiting for us. Um, and and what I need to do, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, yo. Uh, heavy things. They were the first band of the night. They absolutely destroyed everything. Yes. They were so unexpectedly fantastic. So, um, they were in the room when we walked in. So we talked to them for a little bit. We sat down, did our thing with JT as, as you guys just heard our bonus episode. And to say, you know, it was worth the wait. Number one, number two, it was first a great conversation, but it was the perfect show. You, right before we went on, you said it yourself. That lineup that they chose, fantastic set list. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the going back to heavy things, um, I always had this stigma, or I mean, I, th- I feel like people have this stigma. It's changed for me over the past maybe three or four years or so as I've like kind of exposed myself to more live music. But the opening band comes out, and it's always that moment where everybody has like, "All right, maybe my uh, how how thick are my judgment goggles right now?" <laughs> and then as soon as they started, you and I just looked at each other like, "Oh, oh, okay." It's like I'm all about this right it, now. It's like every band started off as yeah. a, as as a an opening act at one point, and you know I have a jukebox, the Ghost Tattoo. I never would have known them if I didn't see them open up for Motion City Soundtrack. So like the bands that open up they can have just as much of an impact on as, as the headliner and just shout outs to those guys. We got to see, um, we got to see heavy things. We got to see Sienna skies full sets, but we got pulled back into the room to do the interview during hotel books. Um, so I apologize that we don't really have, 
uh, anything to say about hotel books. We walked out with about 30 seconds left in their last song and they were killing it. Um, but we didn't get to see the set. So we can't really talk about that at all. But, um, you know, what a venue, first and foremost. The Foundry. Oh. We had never been to the Foundry. We both been to the Fillmore, never saw the Foundry before. What a room. Small, intimate setting, nice bar in the middle, wonderfully cushiony leather chairs. Yes. Everywhere I sat, I was incredibly comfortable. <laughs> I kept thinking that. And and I was like, I probably shouldn't be sitting at a Hawthorne Heights concert. I should probably be like throwing some fists around, but... It, it, it was a long night. That. It was it, a long night. We had our equipment with yeah. us in our hands. We looked like a bunch of douches. Uh, with, <laughs> I had my computer case in my hand. You had a giant shopping food bag wrapped in a microphone, and it's raining out too. So we had to walk from the venue to the car with you as a gentleman and a scholar. Yes, uh, taking off your your jacket to wrap the microphone around so we could do this friggin' post show. But like. I loved it. They brought enough, just enough bad frequencies into the set list to make it impactful. They also played all the hits. They played In Transition. They played Ohio is for Lovers. They played every song you wanted to off of their first couple records. And what I really liked about JT is the, the stories he told between songs. He was just yes. very real. He he had a lot of really, really great moments that, um, not that I wasn't expecting, but like when I, and it was interesting during the interview when he brought it up, um, the first and only time I got to see them mm-hmm. was their only um, arena tour, right. which obviously is a story. much less intimate experience. Um, but what I really liked about this what were those stories. Um, so we had, I mean, right off the bat, after I think it was the first track they played, which was in Gloom, um, he goes, I want everybody in the audience to just turn off your phones. Like, we are here just to, like, cut out the bullshit. Yep. Um, it's all about the music tonight. Like, we're here just to have a good time. Like, grand, it's a Tuesday night, but, like, whatever. You're all here. Like, let's just be together and enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of the, I don't know, the mantra of the, this new album um, that I really am I'm, I'm excited to keep listening to it um, just because I really do agree with it. It's nice um, to get back into Hawthorne Heights after all these yeah. years. It's nice to finally have them vault to the top of my playlist as opposed to when they come on shuffle. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, let's put on Hawthorne yeah. Heights. And this record does that. Yeah. So and, like, I'm even excited. The, I've only it. gotten to listen to probably what I assume is side A mm-hmm. um, of this um, album. but um, And Chris kind of does the, have the vinyl. I do. I did buy the vinyl. Um, I'm very excited to listen to that. Links, this links to purchase it yourself in the description of the episode. Go support Hawthorne Heights. There you go. Matter of fact, I'm just scrolling through my Twitter feed, and I got a couple notifications here. Uh-huh. 9.28 p.m., Chris Shriver, at Shrives93. Give him a follow. Who's that? Uh, just was backstage and wrapped up an interview with J.T. Woodruff of Hawthorne Heights for We Pod and We Know. That's our Twitter. Uh, and it was legitimately one of the coolest experiences of my life. These dudes are killing it right now, and I effing love my life. <laughs> That was a great tweet. Thank you. No, thank you. That was that was how I felt in the moment, and that's still how I feel right now. And it's cool because I wasn't. Um, you know, a show brings you to a certain. Listen, we have no bias. Yeah. We cannot allow the fact that we were backstage doing the interview with those guys to let us say that this was the greatest show of our lives. No, it was just legitimately a great show. Yeah, and and one of the things I brought away, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier, but. Because the foundry is like such a small space, granted, like the stage itself that they're on um, isn't gigantic. Um, like, I actually, because comparing it to the last show I saw, um, they were flipping guitars around during. Yeah. Uh, it's a younger, those yeah, younger days. Young, the younger days. And, you know, him having the opportunity to be able to tell these stories, um, you know, over the course of their career throughout the show, um, it really did feel like a more intimate experience and it was like 
You know, <laughs> when Batman v Superman came out, everyone was like, this is a comic book movie for comic book nerds and stuff like that. I kind of felt like this was a Hawthorne Heights concert for Hawthorne Heights fans. fans. And he made that very clear. Yeah. And I think that came through, like, without any question. Um, this was one of the best shows, if not the best show, I've been to this year. I love live music. I support live music, and I've seen plenty of it. This ranked right up there because it had been so long since I'd seen them, in, especially in such an intimate setting. Yeah. Um, you know, an outdoor show in October doesn't do very well. Um <laughs> And there was an acoustic set in 2011 I saw, but that was the last time. And um, to see them in this small venue where it fit 450, but there was there was not that the, the room didn't feel so crowded that if we went onto the floor we would not feel smushed. No, you not had at all. your own space. Yeah, and I kind of I love that too. We went off to the side a little bit. Um, check our Instagram story. Check everything like that for any of the photos, and I'll throw a bunch on there um, in the morning. As I think that's the 20 train yep. that went by. Yeah. Yep. Um, or maybe the 63, who knows. Uh, but it was one of those shows where you're like, you know, and Sam, I, w- I wish you were here, buddy. Like, we were thinking about you. I texted you during it. Uh, I love you, but, like, yeah. I'm so glad you weren't here. Because <laughs> then I got to be, and it was dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So go ahead and listen to the platformers. It's Chris's <laughs> podcast. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's a part of We Podcast. We know things family. He's always welcome on the show. And you were obviously the first person that I called, and quite frankly, the only. If you didn't, if you didn't say yes, I was going to do it alone. Yeah, and that would have been um, just as special, but maybe not as like I looked at you when a great song yes, came on, yes. and that was the cool part. Is even when even when heavy things came on, and I'm like, this fucking band. <laughs> like you remember that after the first. Song as yeah. soon as, almost the thirty seconds into, I said, "I'm gonna love this band." Yes, I texted Sam right away. I said, first band, killing it." Yep, absolutely fantastic. I actually got their record glimpse and a T-shirt. So shouts to those guys for providing that. And thank you again um, to the Foundry, Chris. Any final thoughts uh, on tonight's performance before I go home, eat some McDonald's, <laughs> and throw this bad boy on the internet? Um, I do want to bring up uh, one of the my favorite parts of the show: Pink Hearts. Oh, off dude, the new album, great song. Yeah, Number, track two off of the new record. Fantastic! It's the first single they released off of Bad Frequencies. And it was one of my favorite parts of the interview when he said, you know, a lot of this record is about those great times that you have as a kid that, like, you don't really know, like, the bullshit that life brings, like, when you mm-hmm. become an adult. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, what we've heard so far, um, or what I've heard so far, at least of this album, um, is totally representative of that. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see how it's received. Um, and, and we actually said during the show, um, it'll be cool to see how filled their uh concerts become as they continue on this tour yeah and how much more energy will be in the room once people digest these songs and get to listen to these songs for days months weeks whatever it may be but i mean for the tour's sake weeks but definitely not months i mean they're going to be done in july um he mentioned during our interview he's going to be in alaska and hawaii when the tour ends so kudos to you guys seriously for for booking that perfectly (laughs) you can't show us in a better destination outside of you guys let's go play a show in the bahamas yeah but uh, again, thank you to the, first of all. Let's just recap. Thank you to BPM for setting this up with us. Thank you to guys in Hawthorne Heights for doing it. Thank you to JT for being real and honest. And it was an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for the guys in Heavy List Lifting for not only following us on Instagram. You can too. And we podcast and we know things. <laughs> there was there was the plug. You have to get a plug in. Um, thank you to Sienna Skies, that dude who walked us out of the room back into the normal. Oh, great! Dude. He was hilarious. Yeah. So shout out to those guys. And again, uh, we missed the set for Hotel Books, but. Follow them on Instagram. They're at Hotel Books. It's going to say Botel Hooks. I gave them a follow as well. You Go support uh, 
So support all of those dudes. So thank you to them. And thank you to the Foundry and the Fillmore family. They gave us no problem getting into the venue, even when we re-entered. No, everybody did such a great job. Yeah, great like job. cool about it. Um, and, you know, go pick up Bad Frequencies. It's out on 427. So if you're hearing this um, on Wednesday or Thursday when we release it, uh, pre-order it. It's only five bucks on iTunes until the record comes out. And then it'll go up to $10, I believe. Um, but go check it out. And if not purchase it on 427 when it comes out. And, uh, we're also going to link in the description, their tour, um, their tour dates and with like links to tickets and stuff like that. You got to see them. They're a fantastic band to see live. And, and then finally, thank you, Chris, for, for taking time out of your day. You're going to New York tomorrow. So thank you for that. It's, it's almost pleasure. 11 o'clock at night. So thank you, dude. This was a great experience. Yeah. I'm, I'm more than thrilled with everything that i've just experienced over the past like five hours it was amazing awesome and thank you to everybody who listened to this very special bonus episode and show review live from the subaru <laughs> at 10:51. we see you sam will be back this weekend we'll see you for episode 88